Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Thank you. Please, please be seated. It's happening, people. It's happening. The dam is breaking. It's starting to happen. Do you know when you have a a dam in your life, maybe you're going through a drought period, maybe you're going through like a, it feels like an obstacle in your life that you just cannot remove. It says, uh, Paul talked about this, he said, he says it feels sometimes like a thorn in your flesh Uh, and you just can't get rid of it and you pray, God, will you get rid of this? And uh, uh, let me tell you how you get rid of it. Just fill up the reservoir. Just keep filling the reservoir. Just keep filling the reservoir. Keep filling the reservoir. Because the force of the reservoir will eventually overcome the dam. And, uh, and I just want to speak that over some people this morning. And say, you, as the more you praise, the more you worship, the more you press into God. The thing that you thought was impossible will become just obliterated as God breaks through in your life. Very good. I've, um, I thought I'd uh, do a, a very different communion this morning. Like, uh, you know, just miss out the uh, middleman. And uh, you should have a grape in your hand. If you're allergic to grapes, just hold it for a moment. And you don't, don't have to eat it. If you're allergic to grapes, you can pass it on to someone else. Is anybody skin grapes? Is there anybody here who actually takes the skin off... Yeah, you can leave. <laughs> just, um, what I'd like you to do is just participate in the sweetness of the fruit of the grape. Please enjoy. Now. And if you're enjoying your grape, just smile at the person next to you. Say, yes, this is a good grape. This is good. If I left this any longer, it would become a raisin. Maybe we could have crushed it and put it into a bottle of wine. Here's the thing. Did you notice there were no seeds in the grape? Because we've genetically engineered the fruit to take away that awkward moment where you're like, I need the dentist. (laughs) Do you know that moment where you go... What do you do with the seed in a grape? When I was a kid, all grapes had seeds. I, and my mum used to tell me off spitting them out. <laughs> but what do you do with the seed? And so what happened, some very clever people said, I know what we can do. We can grow grapes because they're fruitful and they're gorgeous and they're sweet. But we can grow them in such a way that we'll take the awkwardness out of the experience so you can enjoy the fruit and not have the seed. Thank you, whoever you are, some scientist (laughs) somewhere in the world who went, we know how to do this. But here's the challenge. This is not what God intended. With every fruit, there's always meant to be a seed. There's always a responsibility to pay it forward. When you're enjoying 
fruit, if you didn't plant it, someone else did. But when you're enjoying the fruit, with it comes a responsibility, because there's a seed now in your hand of what are you going to do. I was just sitting here in worship today and I, I was listening to your glorious singing. And I love that he saw all the singers right at the front this time. They're like, come on. Like, you try and sit at the front when, when Edith is totally going for it. Like, you're like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> but they were like pushing in. I'm like, the worship was getting bigger and bigger. My heart was getting bigger. I'm like, God, just do some breakthrough. And God's saying, don't stop praying for everybody else. I'm praying for you. I want to do a breakthrough in you. I'm like, oh, I'm enjoying this. That can... Oh, I'm enjoying the fruit. I'm enjoying the fruit. I'm, oh, this is so good. Oh, what's that? Oh, yeah. There's a whole city who don't know you yet. There's a whole group of people who uh, should be in here who know the freedom of worship. Enjoy the fruit and the seed and you'll understand your responsibility. Let me take you to scripture. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, it says, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. Like the Bible could have just said, Let there be bushes and trees. Oh no, no, it's very specific here. It says, let there be seed-bearing plants and trees that bear fruit with seed in it. God, at the beginning of time, Genesis chapter 1, would be firing the the scientists. (laughs) So no, no, make sure when when, when, when we've made it, it produces fruit with seed in it. When God blesses you, when God pours out his blessing upon you and you have that sense of fruitfulness in your life, the principle of scripture is this, I'm I'm putting a little bit in it that's not for you. Every time you are blessed, I'm going to put a little bit inside of it that's not for you. You, in order for you to take responsibility of paying that forward. This is truth. This is scripture right at the beginning. The emphasis of scripture, seed-bearing plants, seed-bearing trees. There's meant to be a seed in your grape. Get over it. Stop throwing it away. Start asking yourself, what is my responsibility for the seed of the fruitfulness of my life? One of the fruits of my life is my daughter. She graduated this week. I was very proud. Very proud. A first class honours in drama and psychology. Who'd have thought? Well, the truth is, like, there's two smart people in our family, my wife and my son. Abby and I hold up the bottom together. And she has now gone to the dark side. 
because I have three O-levels and a BTEC National in Business Studies. My wife, my son and my daughter now have first-class honours degrees. I'm not bitter. We celebrated the day she dressed up in her togs and Ali dressed up as if she was going to a wedding. I put a jacket on. I was so proud of her. I said, ah, we'll take you out for a meal afterwards. And we were very excited. The four of us were on our way to the meal. She said, Dad, can I, can I bring this person? I went, yeah, 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 sure. This person's parents aren't here. Can they be part of our family? I went, yeah, yeah, sure. By the time we got to the restaurant, there was eight of us. <laughs> Let me tell you, fruitful days have seeds in them. And I've been on bread and water for the rest of the week because that bill was eye-wateringly expensive. Because in the fruitfulness of my daughter is a seed of a passion and care for people who are lonely and lost. Within every one of us, the fruitfulness of a life, there's a seed. And we have to take responsibility for that seed. If we all take responsibility for the seed that God planted in us, we will change the world. But the seed has to die. It says in John chapter 12, it says, Verily I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat, a seed, falls to the ground and dies. Everybody say die. die. That's not... <laughs> hey, greater church, you need to die. But if it dies, it will produce many... Come on. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. The one who serves me is the one who has died. The one who has died is the one who has taken the seed out of their fruitful life and planted it. Because they believe the, the responsibility of what God's given you has to die in order to reproduce life. Jesus is the perfect example. He died that we might have life. Follow his example. I don't mean literally die, in case there's anyone here. I mean allow the responsibility, the calling, the purpose in your life, the things that you have, the things that you are good at, the clues in the fruitfulness. Go and sow it. Go and sow it. Uh, the, the enemy says keep it. Genetically modify it so pretend it's not there. And God says take it and give it away. Go and sow it. But it might upset people. It probably will. Someone might take advantage of me. They definitely will. But it's still your responsibility to take the seed in your fruitful life and sow it. Matthew 17 says, Because you have so little faith, truly I save you. If you have faith as small as a mustard, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there 
and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus said, you just need a bit of faith, a bit of courage. And my job today is to encourage you, put courage in you to enjoy the fruit, take the seed and go and sow it. Let it die and see what God does in your life. Behind the scenes, we've been working on a, an expansion vision. Every time I get up here, I go, here's the vision. And half of you go, Ugh. half of you go, oh, I've heard this before. Half, how many halves are there in this room? <laughs> Some of you go, oh, we've never heard it before. Let, can we hear it again? Thank you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Right, what are the four things? Like, the first one is this. To create space for people to encounter Jesus. To disciple people to serve their world. To raise leaders and to plant churches. Behind the scenes we've been talking about this. And I thought today I'll talk a little bit about what's in my heart. What I'm, when I look at those four things, what am I seeing? What have we started? What are we aspiring to? So let me talk about creating space. I, I was so proud of, of the team I, uh, thrive. We, we decided to not just do one camp, but to do two camps this year. And we thought maybe we could just, if we could grow over the next three or four years, if we could grow both camps, that we could expand to that. So that, was, uh, that we were full at 250. Maybe over the next two or three years, we could double that. Well, typical Nathan, he filled both camps just last month. So I'm like, what are you going to do now, Nathan? <laughs> Showing off. <laughs> but what a lovely problem to have, eh? Like when you talk expansion, when you sow, you have to be brave. These things are happening now. They're live. Like I bumped into someone yesterday at a leaders conference and they said, my son came to Thrive Camp. And he was away from God. He came with his unsaved girlfriend and they came to camp. He put his life right with God. She put his life right with God. She is now telling him how to live properly. I, he said, we were booking a holiday for Greece next year. And he, he said, mum, do not book that holiday until we know when Thrive is next year. Come create spaces for people to encounter Jesus. Nathan doesn't change people. Jesus changes people. But you've got to create the space for that to happen. It doesn't happen in the narrowness of your ideas. It, it happens in the fullness and the braveness of it all. I please pray for Amy because we're now working on a third service. How are we going to run the three services? She'll tell you all about it. Like I'm like, that's your problem, Amy, not mine. <laughs> We've launched OC Kids on Friday. I know we've got between 20, 25 new children from the estate coming to church on Friday. Why? So we can impact them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is already happening already. These are part of our expansion vision. I go, we, we have a, a house that caters for women who come out of prison. Do you know what we want to do? We want a men's house. We're going to work on that. To have two houses. How exciting is that? Crane space. Just the other day, you know the sunny day, that the sunny Sunday. 
<laughs> I, I was standing in the car park and people were drinking their coffee in the car park and the children were on the play area that the council built for us. Thank you. There were some people having a little picnic on the side and there's a milling of cars coming in. And I looked behind me and I saw the hill and, and, uh, and then I looked at our facilities and I'm like, oh, thank you, God, for what we've got. But there's a seed in here. I think we can do a bit better. Something's growing in me. What can we do here to upgrade what we're going to do? There's something of a, ah, oh, there's a responsibility here. We need to do something. Something's growing in me to make this place absolutely gold standard to serve the world. Disciple people to serve their world. I've talked to the team, I don't just want some grow groups or some people in a circle. I, you know, that's, that's not discipling people. I want a culture of discipleship where it's natural for every single one of us to have a cup of coffee with someone or, uh, and just share a little bit of what Jesus is doing inside of us, where it becomes natural for us to talk about what, how we are growing, even talking about the mistakes we've made, where we're learning from one another. As the Bible says, iron sharpens iron, that we're walking with one another. We're inviting people into our homes. We're not afraid to say, I'm not very good at this. And someone's saying, it's okay, I might be good at that, but I'm not very good at this. True discipleship is a culture of development. Why? Because I'm not trying to make you like me, I'm helping you as you help me become like Christ. We are disciples of Christ. You'll see over the next uh, couple of weeks how we talk about what we've just launched today, the next steps menu opportunities for you to take a next step in your growth and in your development and in your mission. You know, many times the best discipling moments are when you're sitting on a plane on a way to a country thinking, how on earth did I do this? I'm going to a country I've never been to before. I'm going to meet some people I've never met before. I am so far out of my comfort zone. Let me tell you something. You really start praying then and you really start saying, Hey, we're in this together, right? Discipleship is a culture. Raising leaders. So proud of the, uh, uh, of, the, of the guys who came on here. We are intentionally raising leaders for the future. Just helping them take the next step in their leadership. This, is not, this was not us appointing the elders of the church. This is releasing people to serve in the life of the church. We will intentionally raise leaders. Uh, we have year six and year seven year olds on Young Lions Academy. Like, these are... 10 and 11 year olds learning to serve in the life of the church. This is very exciting. Far more exciting than you're responding right now. Young Lions Academy taking our teenagers and helping them grow in the ways of God, discipling them, helping them to serve, not just in, 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 uh, not just in the, the church, but in their world. They have a confidence to stand up for their faith. This is our responsibility. It is the seed of the fruit of what God's doing in our church. Something new I want to start in the next 12 months is the expansion team. I'll tell you about it in a couple of weeks. But here's the idea. Hey, going to plant a church? I'm in. 
I'll give three months, six months, maybe 12 months to help plant on like, like a secondment and then come back again. Have a breath, sing, sing on the band or on the welcome team or help and then I'm ready to go again. Can you imagine being on a team that helps plants church, helps plant churches? Can you imagine that? Yeah, I know JP. <laughs> the reason I'm doing this is because of you. <laughs> a small group of people like SAS who go out, help, get it established and step back again. Raising leaders to serve across. Oh, this is exciting. You might go, well, I can't preach. We don't need people who can preach. We just need people who do what they're good at in a different place for a while. Can you serve coffee? Yeah. I'll serve coffee for Jesus on the expansion team then. Am I shaking up a few seeds in the room here, reminding you of what's possible? Plant churches, you already, God's put a passion in my heart for Tewkesbury. But why not Cheltenham? I'm only allowed to say that far because if you knew what I was thinking. <laughs> Until God says stop, I'm just going to keep going. going to keep going for the glory of God. Each one of you. Remember, if you're eating fruit from a tree that you didn't plant, you need to thank God for someone else's effort. And if you're in a church today that you didn't plant... You need to thank God for the fruit you're experienced today and say, ah, there's a responsibility for this church, the seeds in this church, to help someone else that you may never meet until you get to heaven one day. And they say, thank you. Thank you for planting something. And I eat the fruit of your efforts. Are you catching my heart? Are you getting this? We'll unpack this a bit more over the next two weeks. Don't miss the next two weeks because you'll get more information on this. So what do I need from you? There's only three things I need from you. And they're part of our values. If you go to our website, you'll see our family values. It's very easy. I'm going to talk about three of our family values very, very quickly. The first one is... I'm in. And this is all about ownership. In your average house or your average home, there's three sorts of people you'll find. You'll find a guest or a lodger or family. It's the same with this house. We have guests, we have lodgers, and we have family. Every one of you will fit into one of those categories. So if you're here for the first time, you're a guest, because you're checking us out. Like, "Mm, do I like this? Is this okay? You're very welcome. You are our guest today. In the same way someone comes to your house for a meal, you look after them, make sure they feel safe and warm. They might turn up with uh, some flowers or a bottle of lemonade or something like that for the meal. But at the end of the day, like, they don't do the washing up, do they? Oh no, 
You do all the preparation, they eat the food, and then they beg her off. <laughs> and it's caught past midnight and you're still scrubbing the pots, but you've had a great night. Why? Because we're able to bless our guests. Hello? And if you're a guest here today, you're very welcome. You don't have to stay to clean up the pots. Just enjoy the day. You are very, very welcome. Then you have the lodger. The lodger is the person who says, I like this place. I like coming here. I can, I'm happy to throw a few pennies in like that. But it's not really my responsibility. I just like coming here, throwing a few quid in, you know, to keep the thing going. I can recognise, I've got, a, you know. But the lodger is different to the guest, but it's also different to the family member. A family member has a different responsibility. How many times when I was a teenager did I hear these words, boys, dinner's ready, and I'm like, all right, I'll turn up when I'm ready. I never said that to my mum because I knew I'd be really in trouble. <laughs> and I love my mum. Still do. But how many times did my mum sit at the table with the food hot and ready and the rest of the household were too busy to get there on time to honour her efforts? If you're feeling slightly uncomfortable about where I'm going... Good. The first team arrives at 7.30 here on a Sunday. By 8 o'clock, all the teams are here. By quarter past 8, we have prayed for you. And we've asked God for words that will set you free. By half past 8, the band have killed each other because... <laughs> The songs don't work or the sound's not right. The production team are strangling one another. And then we pray and forgive one another and <laughs> remind ourselves we're serving Jesus. By quarter to nine, every team, the kids team, the welcome team, the worship team, the front bench, all stand in a circle and pray for you. And then we wait because we have an expectation that the Holy Spirit is going to minister to you. And we want you to come into the house. We've prepared the food. The table's ready. Can I be honest with you? It's a little bit frustrating to start the food and you're not here yet. If you're a guest, it's all right. But if you're not a guest... Can you stop being a lodger and come and join the family? And if you're the family, can you come and help us wash up, please? Hello? Because it's all about ownership. I'll leave that between you and Jesus, all right? <laughs> Number two, we get to give. This is all about generosity. Like, 
There's three things you can be generous in. Words, wealth and ways. You say that with me. Words, wealth and ways. It's how I remember it. Words, wealth and ways. Words, wealth and ways. This is, you can be generous with all those three. See, to encourage someone is the, is the most junior form of being prophetic. If you have a look at the scripture, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening and encouraging and comfort. Encouragement is the first base of prophecy. You can, just by encouraging someone, use your words, you can be generous with your words. Sometimes we haven't got any cash, sometimes we're skint, but you're never too skint to encourage with your words. That is a choice. That is a choice that you make every single day just to say, man, I love your shoes. It's just encouragement. Judah Bright came in today. Leather jacket, spiky gelled up hair. I'm like, Judah, I love your jacket. I love your hair. And he was like, because he's six, come on. But you don't forget words that encourage you. And you don't forget words that discourage you. (laughs) So your generosity is your choice. Encourage with your words. Amen? Encourage with your wealth. Can I learn to tithe when you have a little? If you've got a pound, give 10p to Jesus. If you've got 10 pounds, give a pound to Jesus. If you've got 100 pounds, give 10 pounds to Jesus. If you've got 1,000 pounds, whoa, does Jesus need 100? <laughs> got 10,000, whoa. It depends whether you realise the seed in your wealth. The fruitfulness is yours. The seed is meant to be sown. In my view, when I look at my Bible, I understand that 10% of my fruitfulness is the seed that I choose to sow. Do you get it? So be generous with your wealth. Give away your first pay rise. Not necessarily to the church, just go and bless someone. God blesses you. You go, I've got an extra 40 quid in my packet this month. Who am I going to give it to? Suddenly, it's a seed. And when you sow a seed, it dies. And when it dies, it produces more seeds, more potential fruit. Am I making you think here? We need to change our mentality. And I want you to think differently about how you live your life. Because if you remain as you are, you're just going to enjoy the fruit. And ways, give your time to help others. Lastly, My last point is this, landing the impossible. This is all about faith. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 2 it says, Some men brought to him a paralysed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith. Can I just talk about faith just for a little minute? Because when we talk about faith, I think we tend to have this idea of like mega faith. You know the, the stories of uh, 
of like Moses. You know, he's leading the people to the promised land and he's got the Egyptians behind him and he's got the Red Sea in front of him and everybody's been kettled into this moment and they're squashed. He can't go back, he can't go forward. What does he do? He prays, he says, God, will you show me what I have to do? God says, it's all right, I've got a plan. You know your staff, yeah? I want you to take your stick and hold it over the Red Sea. Right, says Moses, is there another plan? No, that's all you have to do. Can you imagine Moses pulling together all his generals, all his army officers saying, right, I've got a plan, this is what we're gonna do. What is it, Moses? I'm going to get my stick and I'm gonna stand on that rock over there and I'm gonna hold it. Yes, uh, that's all I know. What a prize plonker Moses must have felt as he stood there holding his staff over the sea. If it was me, I'd be like, "Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm now holding my staff over the sea. Can we all pray? Everybody close your eyes. You're standing there. God, if you don't come through now, And he doesn't even know what's going to happen. All he knows is he has to step out in faith. That's how you land the impossible. That's mega faith. There's another form of faith which is just as important, quiet, determined faith. And I want to finish with a little amusing story. Amusing to me. I, I phoned up a dealer and I said, I want to buy a new car. And he said, how much you got? I said, I've got this amount. And he said, I have the perfect car for you. Come and have a look. So I came to the dealer's place and he showed me the car. I went, whoa. I, I had 11,000 pounds. The car was 16 and a half thousand. And he said, I will knock that down to 14,000 for you. I'm like, I said, I've only got 11. He said, I've already knocked it down to 14. So I haggled with him and he stuck at 14 and I stuck at 11. And I went, went home. I started to walk away. He goes, I know this is the perfect car for you. It was the perfect car. It really was, it was shiny and it had all the knobs and things you like. And he he said these words to me. He said, have a think about it over the weekend and come back with a better offer. So I went, no, no, I knew I only had 11,000. So I went home and I prayed, God, you know, really want this car, this would be really good. Do you know what? My mum gave me some money over the weekend and I had a tax rebate. Praise God. My mum gave me 20 quid. (laughs) And the tax rebate was £30.64. But he did say, come back if you can increase your offer. He did say that, didn't he? Sometimes you just have to have a bit of determined courage. So I phoned him up. I went, hi, mate. I said, you know you said if I could increase the offer... 
says I've got £50.64 to add to my 11,000. He went, ah! <laughs> You're joking. I went, no. He, we're on the phone, and there's this pause. He said, you can have the car. Now, I'm not really sure that's faith. <laughs> when you grow up in London, it kind of comes second nature. But it smells like faith because it's daft and it's stupid. Who does that? I tell you who does that. The type of person who puts their stick over an ocean, over a sea, and says, I can't do anything unless you turn up, God. Landing the impossible means daring to do something out of your comfort zone. Because if you don't, you'll end up with what you've always had. Landing the impossible is enjoying your grape, taking the seed and saying, God, I'm going to sow this for your glory and see what happens. Got it? Anybody need me to repeat the last half hour before you go home? Can you stand with me? Just imagine you've got one tiny seed in your hand. And just hold it. Just hold it. That's all I've got, Lord. One tiny seed. I'm going to take this seed and I will sow it for your glory. I'm in ownership. We get to give. I'm generous. And I'm going to land the impossible for your glory. Amen. Amen.